Hello, and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss privacy and security engineering and related topics. I'm your host, Sean Faulkner, and today I'm joined by Ram Muthakrishnan, Senior Product Manager at Skyflow, and we'll be talking about a developer's role in privacy and security and how a developer experience can actually positively impact a company's privacy and security posture. Ram, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Sean. I'm excited to be back again um, and in this new format, too. So. Yes, I think you were the part of the last show we did where we didn't record video. So uh, I, I was like, this is a mistake. Uh, you know, a handsome man <laughs> like Rom should be on video. We need to change the format of the show. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had a, a number of repeat guests uh, through the year or so that I've been doing the show. But I think this is the shortest turnaround for someone to come back. So I'm glad that you're not <laughs> tired of me yet. Yeah, no. yeah I, I really love the guests and the topics that you cover in the podcast. So really excited to be here. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, so I want to talk about developer experience, you know, something that you and I both have a fair amount of experience with and specifically in the context of privacy security. But maybe before we get too specific, you could start out by sharing your thoughts about developer experience as a whole. So, you know, not everybody listening to this is necessarily from this world. How do you even define developer experience? Yeah, I think it's, it's a great question to start with and something that I think about a lot. Um, you know, when we when we talk about consumer products like Notion, Dropbox, et cetera, there's a lot of focus on making the whole customer journey easy and enjoyable from when they start using the product to when they keep coming back and using it, right? So developer experience is kind of like that, but for a different group of people. So developers in this case, right? So we can learn a lot from these companies um, who have perfected this idea of onboarding, retaining, um, and then even referencing these users, right? So we can learn a lot from them and apply the same concepts to developers. Right? Like they also need a good experience, right? Like you, they want quick tools to get started. They want uh, some guidance to get to the aha moment or where they realize the value of your API product, right? So it's no different in my opinion. And we should just like give them an experience where they are so happy that they want to tell others and keep using it even when they change jobs or change projects. Like, so that's, in, in simple terms, like developer experience, I think it's how satisfied, efficient, and successful um, your developers feel when they use your product. And then what are some, you know, what makes it for a great developer experience? Like I think as from a consumer side, I think we kind of understand at least like intuitively because we use lots of products like, oh, that felt nice, you know, versus some other experience that maybe didn't feel as nice. Uh, what What is that equivalent in the DevX world? I think the first is um, still usability, right? Like it's applicable to both consumer and API product, but it's slightly different for developers because so this is basically how developers can grasp, learn and utilize your product, right? Like, so these API products are going to be much different and complex than a regular consumer product. So you need to give them guidance and you need to give them intuitive interfaces and documentation that help them onboard sooner. For example, right, like simple things like, can I quickly find where to obtain my API keys without jumping through hoops? Like those little things matter a lot. And I think that's why usability is like one factor that makes up for great developer experience. Then um, productivity, right? Like, so it's how efficient uh, they are when they use your product. Like good developer experience removes all kinds of friction and delays from your onboarding. Right? Like, can I effort, effortlessly like plug your libraries into my um, setup and get started without having to invest a bunch of time, right? And figuring out authentication, caching, similar tasks, right? Like, can you simplify that for me? 
So that's productivity. And then the third thing that I could think of is debugging and troubleshooting, right? Like this is often overlooked, uh, but I think it matters a lot to uh, developer experience, right? Like, so what kind of tools do you have? Are your error messages actionable? Like, can you help me with resolving my issues uh, by pointing me to resource, helpful resources, right? Any developer, ask any developer, right? Like they can tell you, like they spend quite a bit of time debugging. And if you can simplify that, then it's a huge win for um, everybody involved, right? Like, and that contributes to a great developer experience as well. And then finally, I wanted to just touch upon security, right? So that's also uh, something that I think matters a lot to developer experience and overlooked quite a bit uh, because of um, probably like it wasn't prioritized so far, but right. But uh, when I say security, what I mean is, uh, so let's say like I'm working on a FinTech app and I have to like follow some compliance regulations and all that. And I'm going to use your library and I need to know like if your library will adhere to all the standards, right? If you don't tell that clearly, then I have to like find out, I have to go through security reviews within my own teams. And that's just like a lot of burden and hurdle even before I get started, right? So I think like all these things, right? Like usability, productivity, debugging and security contribute to a uh, great developer experience. What do you think, at least this is my impression, like historically, there's been less of a, priority on developer experience. I think it's something that, you know, a lot of people talk about now, I would say in the last like five years or so, but maybe going back certainly 10 years, it was certainly less of a focus from a product standpoint for companies than it is today. Yeah, totally. I think, and, and the reason is also that like how the role of a developer has changed over a period of time, right? Like, so we always thought that, okay, developers, they'll figure it out. I mean, you're right, like they will figure it out, but yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that you have to give them a, a subpar experience, right? Like they have other options and especially when they're evaluating products, these small things is going to like matter a lot, um, even as they onboard and get uh, started with your product. So I think that's, that's, that's the, right now, like there are a lot of options. So you, it's in your best interest to like focus on developer experience. Yeah. I wonder if part of it was kind of like the, you know, going back to the, the old days of television when, you know, people only had one or two channels. So, you know, it's kind of just like you watched what was on. Now yeah. you have like, you know, too many things to watch. So the bar is really high in order to be successful. It's probably similar in terms of like developer tools and developer experiences. Like there's so many tools available. So if you right. do a subpar job, there's probably something out there that someone can use that they're just going to choose the simpler path, essentially. Yeah, I love the TV analogy. I imagine a remote with 100 buttons versus like eight or nine buttons, right? Like that's going to matter a lot for the TV experience. So Yeah. And then what what is uh, an example of some companies that do a great job when it comes to developer experience? So I'll start with the obvious. Um, so I look up to and take a lot of inspiration from Stripe. Uh, so their API is well documented and it's widely known, right? Like they have multiple client libraries and supports for a lot, lot more, right? I think what makes it special for me though um, about Stripe is that they're able to do that at their scale when they cater to like an extensive array of use cases and wide range of products, right? So if they can do, everybody can do and should do. Uh, so that's one company. Um, and the next example that I'm going to pick is probably like lesser known. Uh, but a company that I love called Stitch. So Stitch is an authentication platform. I love the effort they put into creating uh, an amazing developer experience, right? So they enable developers to easily integrate uh, passwordless, uh, SSO, MFA, all, all into their applications. Um, you know, like Stitch also, um, I, I like them because like they serve as a compelling example 
uh, that startups, uh, despite the lack of resources, can prioritize and invest in developer experience, right? Like, and if you are an API first company, then developer experience um, should be treated as a differentiator, right? Like, and they do a really good job of that. And um, it's especially true in a crowded market. So those two uh, are the examples that come to my mind. Yeah, I think those are great examples. And I think that in a lot of ways, companies like Stripe and Stitch and you know Twilio and other companies that people kind of hold up uh, you know, as the sort of cream of the crop when it comes to developer experience, they kind of set the baseline in a lot of ways of the expectation around when I use an API product. Like if you're used to doing it, you've ever done an integration with Stripe or some of these other companies, it feels really easy. It feels magical. Things are kind of just like, you know, work out of the box. You don't have to think too much about it. And you're kind of up and running and focusing on, you know, whatever it is that you're you're trying to do with your product. And when, then when it comes to like a new API product, I think that's such like expectation that essentially that experience is going to be like that. So I always say when it comes to DevX that your competitor isn't necessarily the sort of quote unquote, like category competitor for you. It's It's really these companies that are set the the sort of the bar in terms of developer experience, because most developers integrating with whatever API it is, some AWS S3 service API, they probably have done a Stripe integration or, you know, Stitch integration or Twilio or whatever it is. And that's their expectation. They're like, okay, well, I can't find this in documentation, but I'm used to being able to find this. And that just kind of adds a lot of friction and makes people angry, essentially. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's, it's kind of, really obvious for developers when they look at the documentation that like what what's this product right like is it good in terms of devx they can quickly figure out because today a developer i think they probably like integrate on a day-to-day basis with other tools right like without integration uh, there's no solution these days so yeah yeah so i think stripe is a good sort of jumping off point to start to talk about the sort of roles and responsibilities of a developer in terms of implementing secure software because like i i think like stripe a lot of times we don't we kind of forget that in a lot of ways, they're an API at the intersection of security and privacy as well. They're handling like credit card information, super sensitive. In in you basically, we we want you know some service to you know take care of that, do payments for us, but offload a lot of those responsibilities uh, at, at, or like essentially the security responsibilities from sort of the developers' hands in that particular case. But what specific responsibilities do you think developers have in ensuring that? the software they create or maintain is actually secure and respects user privacy. Yeah, I think the role of a developer, right? Like, so over the last five to 10 years, it has changed dramatically, especially uh, when it comes to privacy and security, right? We used to build everything in-house and trust very few external products, but today it's almost impossible, like you said, where you, you have to use like, APIs and integrate with other tools, right? So why, and it makes sense, like why reinvent the wheel? So back to developer responsibilities, right? Like this brings in a whole lot of like new responsibilities. They are now expected to conduct thorough code reviews with a focus on security and privacy, which wasn't the case before, right? Uh, there will be a security team. They'll take care of it, right? When we get to launch, we'll worry about it. That That's not going to fly anymore. So you, you have to like really uh, take care of security right from the beginning. And then devs, I feel like they also have a huge part in protecting the sensitive data, right? Because they are the closest to the data, right? They know what authentication is, what authorization a particular piece of data is. So now they have to start thinking deeply about what what data they're handling and how it gets stored, who has access to it, right? So that's another thing uh, that they need to learn. And then being familiar with different data production techniques, right? So 
earlier you you would rely on like subject matter experts right like now you need to know like when uh, like things like encryption tokenization redaction all that and more importantly you need to know when to use what right so that's another skill developers need to uh, build as well and then finally i think uh, this this one might be uh, surprising right like but developers need to be aware of complaints uh, like gone are the days like where you rely on a legal team or like a security team for complaints like they need to know is this going to impact our gdpr is it going to impact our like pci complaints right so they need to be aware and implement those controls as they develop these applications uh, so i think yeah these these um, and maybe like one 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 point to add is also that they need to also handle um, errors and monitoring and all that right like so uh, when it comes to security um, a breach is a question of when so they need to like be prepared for that and that's another angle that they need to like think about when building these applications like how do i log these things am i leaking sensitive information do i do we have enough in case of a breach to like figure out what's going on and protect it right so those those things um, i think yeah have changed a lot um, and added up to the developer responsibility these days and how do you kind of strike a balance between like developer efficiency and essentially implementing robust privacy and security. Like, I think that there could sometimes be a feeling that, oh, well, I have to like jump through all these privacy and security hoops in order to just like do my job. But I'm under pressure to, you know, meet, meet this deadline with the sprint or, you know, launch this feature. And they can kind of create a certain amount of like, um, I don't know, friction, I guess, within the organization or animosity even between these different functional areas. That's an interesting question, right? Like you have this stereotype that like developers, when you think of the term developers, you think like they are sitting in front of a computer and coding it away. But then the responsibilities that I just described, like they go far beyond just like sitting in front of a computer, right? Like, so I think it's a tricky balance, but important one for every company to figure out. Um, you don't want them to like burn out by doing other tasks uh, where their regular work gets interrupted constantly, right? So I think as a company, you need to like figure out the right tools, process, and generally just like create a culture where uh, developers are encouraged to think about security and privacy, right? Some, some practical uh, things that you can do um, as like using secure coding standards, right? So if there is OWASP top 10, think about how do you in include that as part of your development process. These standards have a purpose and they solve a lot of problems. So by using these, you can avoid a lot of pain in the future, right? Like, and then using secure defaults, so configuring software with security defaults so that every developer doesn't have to configure everything from scratch. That's quite a bit of time like that they have to spend, right? So this also reduces chances of misconfigurations and things like that. And then, um, and this one, both of us are, uh, have, are really familiar with privacy by design in your development process, right? Uh, and we are at the point where you need to move from just like talking about design to getting it actually into your architecture. Um, so that's another thing that they can do to simplify things. And then also being aware of things like principle of least privilege. And, you know, like most of the breaches happen due to internal um, issues as well. So whenever you have data, like think about like what's needed and who needs to access it. Do we have the right processes um, to allow that, right? So I think ultimately the goal is to create um, software that is secure, but also like not just add a bunch of work for developers and make it less efficient, really. So uh, I think, yeah, you, if you follow these standards and defaults, um, privacy by design and all that, it should really help with striking that balance. 
Yeah, so there's essentially a certain amount of responsibility on the individual to have some knowledge and level of education of what their responsibilities and maybe, you know, techniques that they would use in sort of the secure data or something like that. You know, essentially everybody understands if you're doing any sort of, you know, building an API or building a web application or mobile application, whatever it is, you're going to be doing, you know, um, uh, encryption during transit via TLS. It would be crazy to do something else at this point. Like everybody kind of knows that that's right. the standard. So you you have to be aware of these industry standards. And then I think also you need to be aware of what tools are essentially available to you within an organization or even in the sort of greater world of, of the internet. And then the final thing is uh, around utilizing abstractions, like you said, like secure by default or, you know, applying some known industry standard from an architectural standpoint to offload a lot of these challenges for you to speed up your dev cycles. What about in terms of best practices of integrating privacy and security considerations into the software development process? So I know uh, certainly within organizations I worked with, like Google in the past, there's a certain amount of, you know, integration of security and privacy with every sort of product that we launch, where they're going to be involved in the cycle. What are some of the best practices that people or companies should be following there? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go back to this term, but I, I think it's worth reiterating. Start with privacy by design, right? So incorporate those principles right from the beginning of your uh, feature or project, right? Consider it as a fundamental requirement and actually uh, make it a priority so that it doesn't get lost in the backlog, right? Like, so it, it, I think teams do a good job these days about thinking through these things, but when it actually comes to operational things that are executing it, it just like gets lost. So it's important to like start with privacy by design and then also defining these requirements and actually prioritizing it matters a lot. And then uh, not just these, right? So uh, in addition to these, I think, you should also think about threat modeling and threat assessment, right? Like, so how can you include that to be part of your development lifecycle? And this actually might help in prioritizing those requirements that you originally like planned out, right? And then uh, finally, I think uh, another best practice that I've seen uh, done really well is also code reviews that are focused on security, right? So have someone on your team that is experienced with security and then they can review your code for common vulnerabilities, um, hacks, and things like that, right? Like, so secure code reviews is another thing. I think that's picking up and um, adds a lot of value to uh, the development lifecycle. Yeah, we always had to, at, at Google, essentially for every product or feature that we launched, we had to file like a, you know, essentially the equivalent of a product launch ticket. And you have to catalog exactly what data you're collecting, how you're using it. And then there's both a privacy and security team review, but then also depending on, Sort of the nature or level of sensitivity of what you're doing, there's security like code reviews involved in that entire process. So I think once in order to just do this at scale, especially when you're talking like Google scale, but even even you know much smaller than that, you at some point have to sort of productize the process or things. There's always an ex you can always come up with an excuse when you're under pressure to uh, you know fix a problem or launch a feature that's going to earn money to you know essentially skip corners and things like that. And that's why some of these processes end up existing at companies. Yeah, totally. What do you think some of the common misconceptions or challenges developers face when it comes to privacy and security and how can those essentially be improved by the overall developer experience? I love this question. Uh, there's a lot, right? Like there's a lot of misconceptions going around. And I think like, the most common one uh, that I still see, unfortunately, is that developers think that 
security and privacy slows down development. Um, so while it's true that implementing security and privacy can add overhead to your existing process, right? But they're not, in my opinion, they're not inherently like conflicting with the goals of your development, right? So in fact, if you do it right, it's actually going to save a lot of time and make, make your whole development lifecycle efficient in the long term, right? So that's one common misconception that I see. Then another one along the same lines is security is the sole responsibility of the security team, right? Like, so we'll worry about security when we get to the launch. We'll get through that review. Don't worry, let's get started. It's unfortunately still the case with many companies, right? I think security is a shared responsibility and developers out of everybody has the most knowledge about how to prevent those and improve those, right? So they should uh, be uh, more accountable for security, in my opinion. And then uh, finally, I think as you get deeper into the developer workflow, you'll you'll start hearing these like uh, misconceptions where uh, security, getting security through obscurity, right? Like, so I have an example where, uh, you know, you actually want to delete the data, but what if you just like delink the data uh, from the user's profile and then keep it, right? We, we don't know where that is. So will this actually work? It will technically work, but in the future, somebody might come and find a way to identify those sensitive data with a particular user. You, you, you never know like what's going to happen in the future, right? Like, so I think, yeah, obscurity um, is not a um, stable strategy. So I think uh, security by design is probably like a better approach there. Yeah, and I would say, one thing that I've seen is that sometimes we can convince ourselves that we need certain access or we need certain data in order to do our job. So then we get sort of protective of the idea of like, oh, they're like shutting down my access. Like, I don't know, my admin access to the, the my uh, EC2 instances or something like that. I can no longer SSH right. into them and do whatever I want. And a lot of times I think it's, um, you know, there's potentially control issues there, but I think it's because we think we won't be able to do our job, whatever that is. And but the reality is, like, whatever that workflow is, there's usually better ways of supporting that. So in the past, I know a lot of times like engineers had essentially administrative access to servers that they were running. And ultimately, that was most of the time just to access log files so they could debug stuff. But there's lots of solutions to that problem that don't involve giving you admin rights to the servers and even things like um, essentially, you know, logging someone's name in a log file to make debugging easier. There's other ways of essentially solving these types of problems that don't put your security and privacy at risk. Totally. Yeah. I think there are also like tools these days that help you do that. Right. Like so. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's Sean host of the show. You're listening to first and foremost, I hope you're enjoying the interview. And if you are, please support the show by subscribing and leaving a positive rating and review. And if you want to keep the conversation going, Join our community at skyflow.com slash community. Okay, that's it for me. Now back to the show. And then what ways can a poor developer experience like actually hinder the adoption of privacy and security technologies within a team or organization? So I think there's definitely like, uh, like I mentioned, developers these days have a lot of options, right? So if you don't have a good experience, like for example, if, you have, if your tool or like if your configuration portal is poorly designed, uh, it can be frustrating uh, to developers, right? And they can just ignore yours and move on to competitors, right? So I think it's important to uh, focus on in interfaces and creating these like uh, user-friendly experiences for developers. Um, and then like, like, I, I think we, we touched upon this briefly, like documentation and support. So if, you, if your documentation is not helping me onboard, then I'm never going to adopt your product, right? 
And it's, it's, I'm not saying it's an easy problem, but you need to spend resources on keeping your documentation up to date and helping your developers actually make use of it, right? So I think that's another key. Then support, like how soon are you able to like help your customers? Do you have a community? Can, can I write an email, right? Or like, do I have a chat these days? So how soon can you help me unblock? That's another thing. Uh, and then finally, I think uh, another important part uh, is also like, how easily can I integrate your product into my workflow, right? Like, so is it going to take a lot of time? Um, so for example, if I'm expecting um, a JSON, like what is your response going to be? Is it something different? Do I have to like work on converting that, right? Like, so making sure it fits with your core audiences or like developers uh, workflows, uh, that also is key to improve the adoption uh, for developers. Yeah, and one of the things I've seen as well is that if there is a lot of friction or like it's hard to understand what you're supposed to do, then, you know, people under pressure to, you know, complete features and, and get things to work, they'll find shortcuts. They'll, they'll basically find a way to make it work. It, 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 you know, it can be as simple as something like, I don't understand the permissioning model. So for the time being, I'll just give admin rights so that I can get it to work and I'll come back and fix it. And then inevitably they never actually come back and fix that. Yeah. And it gets to end up getting released. And then, you know, five years down the road, someone, you know, essentially hacks the system exploiting the fact that they can get admin rights through, you know, whatever it is, essentially. And I think yeah. that's like one one common mistake that I've seen companies make. And, uh, and it really boils back to that DevX or the developer experience is like, if it's hard, then people will figure out ways around it uh, in order to satisfy whatever requirement they're trying to satisfy. Right. And at the end of the day, your product is going to get that bad reputation, even though they're using a hacky workaround, right? Like, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You never want to be in a breach, um, no matter who the reason is, right? So, yeah. On the flip side, do you have any examples of how, like, a great developer experience has positively influenced the company's approach to data protection or the way that they've approached some of the challenges of privacy security where, you know, maybe that's like a really critical thing because they're dealing with, you know, healthcare data or, you know, financial data or something like that. Yeah, I think this one's going to be slightly unconventional as well. So I really like Apple's APIs. Um, so they, especially in the healthcare space, they have this thing called HealthKit APIs. Um, so what used to be like entirely in a closed ecosystem now is slowly opening up, right? Uh, I never thought I could get my vaccination cards in my Apple wallet, right? And similarly, like when I go to my doctor, I can choose to share my health information that my watch tracks with them. And they can push results into my phone through their apps, right? So all of this adoption and uh, opening up of this like closed ecosystem is happening because of how easy Apple has made uh, for developers to like build these experiences. So I think that's key. And especially with their focus on privacy um, and messaging around privacy, right? Like, so um, it, it's, it, it has definitely like created a positive change overall. Um, and then on the fintech side, Plaid, um, I think, has made a significant impact, right? I can't imagine just like building a financial application, working with regulations and banking and all that. And they've simply like streamlined what used to be like really complex process of accessing and managing financial data. Um, so uh, without player Plaid, I think a range of like budgeting, personal finance, lending apps, they won't be there today, right? Like it's because of them that these apps are able to like quickly uh, get built and like serve their users as well. So I think those are 
some really good examples that brought a positive change. Yeah, and I think a lot of the times these this like momentum around like a product and API can become kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because they, if they do a really good job with the developer experience, then more people adopt it and then it creates more of a community. And then it basically like it builds, it becomes like a flywheel where more and more people do it and it becomes a standard. You see that also with programming languages where an easier to use programming language becomes sort of just the de facto standard. And I think, you know, looking at something like iOS versus Android programming back in the early days, you had Objective-C originally with iOS. And I think Apple was able to get away with that to some extent because they had such market dominance and they were the first sort of to the smartphone market. But then Android came along and it was just an easier programming model. And and eventually, you know, essentially they bought iOS or Apple modernized with Swift, which kind of was more of a Python type of language. And I'm sure it helped with the adoption cycles there. And on top of that, the fact that they had, you know, the market dominance, especially in the U.S., probably became a feeder and really helped the explosion of apps. Yeah, I think it's like you're right. It's a flywheel and it lifts the whole industry, right? Like, especially it means a lot if uh, things like healthcare um, and finance can become more accessible for users. So, And then in terms of developer knowledge, do you think that there's specific regulations and compliance requirements that developers need to be aware of when, especially when working on projects with sensitive data, but just in terms of does every developer kind of have a certain amount of responsibility to know at least the basics around some of these, you know, compliance regulations? Yeah, um, I think there's a lot uh, of regulations and I really empathize with developers in addition to their day-to-day jobs. They have to like know about these. Just to highlight, I think GDPR is common, right? Like if you're dealing with EU data, you need to know like how to get that proper consent and use it uh, correctly, right? Like where is it being hosted? Um, is it is data residency a requirement, things like that. And then if you're on the fintech side, then you have to like worry about PCI. That's where like tokenization, encryption all come into play, right? Like how do you secure your card and other sensitive uh, member data? And then uh, there's like now state-wise laws coming up, right? CCPA, CPRA, those give choices to users in a particular state, which complicates the developer's world, but it is what it is. Um, and then there's also like wide... Um, regulation around children, right? Like if your app deals with um, teens or like um, under 13, then you need to like uh, adhere to COPA. Um, and then healthcare, it's a no-brainer, like it's a HIPAA, right? Like, so you need to be aware of uh, HIPAA. So that I think there's much more, but these, uh, at least getting a basic knowledge of these regulations really helps a developer make informed decisions and informed architecture and design choices when they build these applications. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of companies get started by, you know, engineers that move into entrepreneurship. And, you know, if you're building something that, I mean, I would say regulated industry, but at this point, like basically everything's a regulated industry. If you're collecting anything about like your customers. So at least having a basic understanding of knowing I should probably be asking questions to an expert is, is kind of like a baseline knowledge. But you don't necessarily need to be an expert in every, you know, line by line of a, a regulation framework, but you should at least know that, okay, well, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that I might be, you know, dipping my toe in the HIPAA. I should probably talk to an expert to find out what I need to do to make sure that I don't, uh, you know, build any uh, landmines or tripwires that, I, you know, someone unfortunately steps on down the road. 
Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think the developer role has become so collaborative these days, right? Like, and they need to work with these different teams to make sure they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to transition again to talk a little bit about Skyflow, which is a company, you know, both you and I work for. You lead developer experience there. This is also an area that I've worked in the past as a product manager as well. What are some of the areas you're focused on in terms of developer experience at Skyflow? And why do you think that's an important investment? Yeah, so I'll talk about a few. Um, the first one is our docs. Like I said, docs, we treat it as a product here at Skyflow. And we have the same rigor um, on prioritizing features and improving the experience. Right? And uh, I think it goes to this. It's the first experience most often that a developer has with your product. Um, and that's why like we focus a lot on it. Um, and then number two is our developer um, studio, where you, developers can get in and get their API keys, service accounts, and manage things like that. Um, so we want to make it easy. And we, we aspire to be consumer-like here uh, uh, with that. And then another area that I focus a lot on is also SDKs, right? So talking about integrating into existing workflows, SDKs eliminate a lot of friction for developers. So that's something that we focus on, how to support a wide um, array of um, SDKs that help developers get started soon. And then finally, I also like focus on our core APIs, right? Like, so what kind of error messages are we um, giving back to the users? How are we helping with troubleshooting? Um, and then, yeah, monitoring and logging and all that, right? Like, so those areas um, are a lot of like uh, focus for me here at Skyflow here. Yeah, I mean, I uh, wholeheartedly agree that like docs can be essentially like a differentiator for a company or like a decision-making criteria. There's a number of products I've chosen just because I felt like their documentation was better and I'd probably be able to get the answer that I needed. I think it's similar from like a support standpoint. It's like, if you feel supported, you can get your answers answer, or your questions answered, then it's you make it just basically makes you more likely to do it because you feel supported by by the product. In terms of the APIs, I, I think that is an area where a lot of companies struggle because it is a lot different, you know, essentially building an API product. Like the change management on an API is completely different than building something that's like a UI-based product. If I change the name, the label on a button, it's probably, you know, maybe it angers somebody, but it's, it's not going to completely break the experience. But if I change the URL of an endpoint, then I probably broken. There's actually like real consequences, business consequences to people. So how do you kind of think about the, you know, essentially managing the, you know, APIs from a DevX standpoint, like, and working through sort of the challenges around change management? I think it's all about clear communication, uh, setting the right expectations and giving enough time for developers to like go through with these changes, right? So developers understand uh, things will change over a period of time, right? Like it's not going to stay the same. As you're working on new features, you want to like change the responses a bit and it's going to like break some of the customer's workflows, right? So I think the key here is first um, identifying a clear process and then communicating that with your developers, giving them enough time to transition over to the new uh, response on like new models, right? So if, if you figure that out and do things right, I think most developers are reasonable and uh, it shouldn't be a surprise uh, to deal with these kind of like changes from a developer's experience standpoint. Yeah, I think it's it comes down to, I guess, like respect for your, your customer, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. Can you talk about the, what are some of the, you know, product launches or enhancements to developer experience that you've made and 
how have those impacted adoption or best practice implementations for companies? Yeah, totally. So that's been my focus here since I joined. And uh, we are coming up with a new studio, uh, our developer studio experience. We, it's been in beta for a while and um, it, we've received solid positive feedback and developers want more of our API functionality now available through our UI, which is a good problem to have. Um, so that, and then we also like doing a refresh for our docs, making it easy for developers to find things. Um, so that's also something that I'm excited about. And then uh, another thing that I'm super uh, excited about is increasing the performance of our SDKs, especially our front-end ones. Recently, we uh, reduced the size of it and we saw customers loved it, right? Like it, it became more, uh, it became faster for them in turn, increasing the adoption of our front-end SDKs. So that's another thing that we're focusing on. And then we're also investing quite a bit on our Postman collection, starting to invest in that. That That's a low-weight way to, uh, for developers to experience your API, right? Like, so that's something that we're looking into and um, actively working on. How do you work through, you know, making decisions around where to like invest your time and resources? You only have, you know, there's only one of you and there's only so many, you know, engineers to go around. So how do you kind of make those decisions about where to make an investment? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the data, right? Like, so do we have the data um, that this is going to meaningfully impact developer experience? Right. Like, so if we invest in a new get started guide or like quick start guide, what is this going to like cost versus like a feature that was requested by a customer on our SDKs? So it all comes to like ruthless prioritization there. And sometimes it's always not possible to like focus just on developer experience. Uh, you need to like prioritize other features as well, right? Like it might cater to a subset of users, but you need to do what's best for the business and the developers. I see. You know, as we start to wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share in the context of, you know, either projects that you're working on or developer experience in the space as a whole? No, I think, yeah, um, there's a lot to learn and continue to, um, I, I can continue to get inspired by looking at other products. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, Ram, thanks so much for being here again. Uh, this was a, a great conversation. Hopefully, uh, I think people will enjoy it. I think it's a interesting space, uh, sort of this merger between developer experience and, and essentially data protection. And I think this is something that we're going to see more and more of in the industry, like security tools getting easier to use, essentially having sort of consumer grade experiences. And when we're talking API products, that really lends itself to essentially enhance developer experiences. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. And continue to keep producing awesome content. So. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Awesome. Bye.